the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. Today is Monday, August the 3rd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 3, 1993, the Senate voted 96 to 3 to confirm Supreme Court nominee Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been having some severe uh, health problems, as you may have noticed. It's been in the news a little bit. She says now that she has been hiding her latest bout with her health. She's uh, older, and uh, she's had cancer and a number of other issues that she's had to deal with. She once said, not long ago, she said, I will not die and I will not retire until Donald Trump is out of office. So she's trying to hold on to the end, but her health is failing rapidly. The reason, of course, is because she and the far left <clears throat> do not want Donald Trump to nominate even one more Supreme Court justice. Today in 1807, former Vice President Aaron Burr, he went on trial before a federal court in Richmond, Virginia. He was charged with treason, but he was acquitted less than a month later. Today in 1811, Elijah Otis, does that name sound familiar? Well, he's the founder of the elevator company. Every time you get on an elevator and go up and down, or for the most part, there are some other companies now, but for the most part, you see it's an Otis elevator. So you see his name every time you go up and down in a building. He was the founder. He was born today in Halifax, Vermont, 1811. Today in 1863, the first thoroughbred horse races took place at Saratoga Racecourse in Saratoga Springs, New York. Today in 1958... The nuclear-powered submarine USS Nautilus became the first vessel to cross the North Pole underwater. Today, in 1981, U.S. air traffic controllers said they were going to go on strike. They'd been threatening. They said, give us what we want or we're going on strike. They said, it's coming. We're going to do it. So today, in 1981, they did. They went on strike, despite the fact that President Ronald Reagan had been saying, don't do that because you'll shut down the economy of the country. And if you do, I'll fire you. They didn't believe him. So they went ahead and went on strike. And he fired them. And America got through it. It was not easy for a few days, but America got through that. Reagan didn't raise his voice. He just said, you're fired. Today in 2018, Las Vegas police said they were closing the investigation into the October 1 shooting that left 58 people dead at that country music festival. Remember that? <clears throat> Guy was way up in the hotel. Across the parking lot. It was a ways over there, but not that far. And he started shooting, just raining down bullets on the crowd. It was horrible. It was awful. <laughs> Indescribable, particularly for the people that were there. But anyway, his name was Stephen Paddock. He ended up he was dead when this whole thing ended, but the uh, the police said they never could quite figure out what his motivation was. 
They talked to people that knew him and all of that. But anyway, today in 2018, they officially closed the investigation. Five years ago today, President Barack Obama said he slow global warming by dramatically shifting the way Americans get and use their electricity. You may remember this because it caught everybody's attention. The opposition was strong. The opposition denounced his proposal. They said it's an egregious federal overreach that would send power prices surging. Well, that's true. And that's part of part of the path that countries walk on when they're heading down the path of socialism. They begin to nationalize and the government takes control of the various, you know, like electricity uh, and other just absolutes in a community. And when they federalize these, then the government takes control of it. And that's part of what causes people to become even more and almost, almost completely dependent upon the government. That's what socialism is really about. It's not about sharing equally. It's about the government having all the control and the people are the serfs and they do what they do. The people, the people do or else they suffer consequences. What the government tells them to do And they call that utopia. Well, the people in charge call it utopia. The millions who march to their drum do not call it that. So that's that's kind of what people are calling for today in America, isn't it? I noticed that Tony Bennett, the singer, I like him. He's 94 years old today. And when I saw that, I saw right beside it, Martha Stewart. You know, Martha Stewart, she's 79 years old today, which reminded me I hadn't forgotten, but it prompted me. Marjorie and my oldest daughter has a birthday today as well. I'm not going to tell you how old she is. She can tell you if she wants to. She doesn't want to. Happy birthday, Steph. I hope you had a good weekend this weekend in spite of what's going on. This coronavirus thing, this Chinese virus, as more and more people are calling it because that's what it is, is dragging on. I noticed an article, uh, was kind of an extensive article. I just, I'll just mention it. I'm not going to get into it, but more than 125 companies that are owned, directly owned by the Chinese Communist Party, or they have links, it's partially owned by the Chinese Communist Party or the Chinese government which are kind of two different entities, but the Chinese, the, the Chinese Communist Party controls the government. But more than 125 companies owned by these people, either the Communist Party or the Chinese government, have received hundreds of millions of dollars in this Paycheck Protection Program, PPP, where it was intended and is intended for to help small businesses stay in business so they can meet their payroll and stay in business and they won't, just all go away during this pandemic. And some of them already have gone away, but that's what this was for. And a lot of of the small business people have said, man, I I wouldn't still be in business and I wouldn't be able to pay my employees or retain my employees without this program. So I'm not much into government programs where they're giving away money. I mean, I got to tell you, however, this is not typical what's going on today. So anyway, a lot of people have been recipients of this say that it has made the difference so far depending on how long this thing goes. But now we find that 125 of these companies 
owned by China and the Communist Party, have been applying for and getting checks from us, the taxpayers. This Horizon Advisory Consulting Firm uh, did a survey. In fact, it was published in the New York Times over the weekend. And they say that they can't tell for sure how much China and the Chinese Communist Party got, but they said it's between, they've narrowed it down, it's between $192 million and $419 million in these PPP loans funded by American taxpayers. It's amazing. I mean, they never stop. They never stop. They're used to being able to take advantage of America because previous presidents, unfortunately, have let them do so. Part of Trump's problem is he came in not a politician, a businessman, who didn't be, make his wealth out of being a so-called public servant. Many of our elected officials, they go to Olympia, Salem, Boise, wherever, or to Washington, D.C. as an elected official. We used to call them public servants. They go there without a great amount of wealth, if any at all. Four, eight, 12 years later, and they're worth millions of dollars. How does that work? They're on a fixed salary. But it happens, and it happens almost without exception. So Trump comes in, and he's not in to make money and have create contacts that he can make more money from. But he comes in, and he, he's kind of uninformed. He thinks that everybody wants to see America prosper, and he finds out that's not true. And he becomes the roadblock. And all of the far-left socialist types line up against him. And that's what he's been facing for three and a half years. The fires of hatred continue to burn in the streets of America. Some of which is prompted by the fact that they hate the president so much. Other is they're simply acting on what they've been taught in public education. Truly it is. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, every week she gives this almost sermon-like missive about how much she does not want Trump to set foot down, meaning federal troops, in Chicago. She said this last week, and I'm quoting, we do not need him, we do not want him, we will not allow him to come to our city. And yet over the weekend, as of last night, this weekend, 34 people, again, were shot in Chicago. Nine are dead. Over this weekend, that's down from last weekend. Last weekend, it was 44. And the weekend before that, and the weekend before that. This isn't like it spiked over the weekend for some strange reason. It's consistent. Every weekend in Chicago, about 30 to 50 people are shot. And about 20% of them are dead come Monday morning. It's amazing. But that's what socialism and secularism and progressivism and relativism, and that's what these kids know. And that's what this generation knows because that's what they've been taught. They just act out. There's no restraint. There's no right or wrong. Because the Bible has been moved to the margin, and now they're burning the Bible in the streets. There was a Bible burning, not a, not a novel that has inappropriate stories in it, but the Bible was burned over the weekend. 
in Portland by Black Lives Matter so-called protesters, or really rioters. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a moment. I noticed this morning, I noticed this morning there was a story in Austin, Texas. This black motorist, it's going viral. It's all over the place. If you're on social media, you might see it. <clears throat> I don't know if it's on social media or not yet, but I saw the story, and I, I think it will be if it isn't. But late Saturday night, these far-left activists had gathered on Interstate 35. That's in uh, Austin, Texas. Shut down the freeway. That's been done here in the Northwest as well. It's happened in Seattle. It's happened in Portland. It's happened elsewhere. They just go out on the freeway, be I-5 on the West Coast and so on, and they just shut it down. They just go out there in mass. They shut it down. Well, that's what they were doing Saturday night in Austin, near the city or in the city where the freeway goes through. And apparently this Interstate 35 is the main freeway or one of the main freeways through the city. And um, they wouldn't let any cars pass. And they were chanting, this is our highway. This is our highway. Well, this guy, he's a black guy. He's driving a truck, and he pulls up there, and he, he started calling out to these people, thinking they would let him come through. He said, I have to go to work. I've got to go to work. I have bills to pay. I have a family to support. I've got to go to work. Will you please let me through? They just swore at him, told him no. And so finally, he got out of his truck and walked, started walking toward them, and he was pleading with them. And he said, look, I understand what you're trying to do, but he said, i got to go to work. I have bills to pay. They wouldn't let him through. They don't really believe that black lives matter. At least his life didn't matter. He had bills to pay. Isn't that a novel idea? Bills to pay, a family to support. I don't know who that guy is, but God bless him. You'll probably see his story somewhere in the next day or so because there's people out there posting it or they'll begin to be posting it all over the Internet. I'll tell you, it's about hate. It's not about Black Lives Matter. Not really. Not really. There's just too many incidents. There's a thread that is consistent in all of this stuff that's going on across the country. It's hatred. It's a spirit of lawlessness. It's a hatred even now for the Bible, the Bible itself. So much is happening in our culture today that it's difficult to keep up with it. It's difficult to handle it. But every day we try to keep you up to date. That's why this program originates live every morning. And then it's heard in some on some stations a little bit of a delay that day. But you don't hear this program three or four days old. It takes an extra effort and it costs a little more money to do it this way. But thank you for your support. Because I feel this is the way that the Lord would have us to do it from the get-go. And that's what we did when we started this program. And others have, it gives them a little extra effort as well every morning when I come on live to do this program. It's just more work for everybody. But it has to be this way because I feel in my heart that's what the Lord wants us to do. And I I think for it to be relevant to the moment, we have to do it this way. And I know you understand. And I want to thank you for standing with us. Some of you have, for the first time just in the last week, begun to support this ministry, and it is a ministry. 
I'm an ordained minister. That's what I've done my entire adult life. Youth pastor, music pastor. I was a real pastor. Uh, you know, lead pastor, I think we call them now. Because that's what God called me to do. And I've always tried to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord and his spirit in my heart. And many of you recognize that, and you have felt led to stand with us. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, because number one, I couldn't do what the Lord has called me to do without you. The Lord has kind of designed it that way, so that we're sort of dependent on each other in the work of the Lord, but ultimately all of us are dependent upon him. And that's a good way, because we all have our place that way, and we don't get tempted to think one is more important than the other because we're all part of God's purposes and God's plan when we walk in the direction of his spirit. So thank you so much for standing with me. We do need your help in Seattle in particular. Some of you have started even this last week supporting us that were not before. Thank you. Thank you so much. To those of you who have stood with me almost from day one, thank you. Big hug. I can't tell you how much it means to me personally, simply because of what I just said. It allows us to do what we feel God has called us to do. If you're thinking about joining us, please do. We need you. These are unbelievable times. We all know it. Thanks for standing with me. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Well, as I said, rioters in Portland over the weekend, they took to burning the U.S. flag and Bibles in the streets in front of the federal building. With the press continuing to report that the Portland protests, doing the same thing in Seattle, and I'm sure they are across the country, are mostly peaceful. (laughs) Every time they come on the air, they say, the protests that were mostly peaceful. Well, the mostly peaceful rioters burned American flags and Bibles in front of the federal Mark O. Hatfield courthouse. It's been said that the difference between a demonstration and a riot is a stone's throw. Some people have said that Martin Luther King once said, and I can't find where he said that, honestly, so I wouldn't quote him, but some people say that MLK once said, that when you pick up a rock and throw it, you're no longer a demonstrator, you're a rioter. If he made that statement, I can't find it, but boy, it's a good statement. It's true. Whether or not he said it, it's very true. But night after night, local, national news reporters, they begin every, every broadcast, if you watch the news, and fewer and fewer people are doing so, but they begin every newscast with this misleading characterization that the riots are mostly peaceful. They're not mostly peaceful. There are peaceful people there. I mean, they're not breaking things and breaking laws. But these riots take on a spirit of mostly lawlessness and destruction. And they're self-defeating. And they're becoming self-defeating, thankfully. Portland's KOIN-TV6 reported the rioters carrying Black Lives Matter signs, carrying those signs, It wasn't like Antifa. It wasn't somebody from Los Angeles or whatever. It was people carrying Black Lives Matter signs. They were throwing Bibles into the fire on Friday night. Well, they also threw in a flag. They prefaced their report, Coin TV did, by establishing 
that the protests were, yeah, you guessed it, mostly peaceful. Coin TV reported, quote, people began starting a fire in the street in front of the federal courthouse, started with burning a Bible, then the American flag, until more and more items were added to the fire. What Coin doesn't report or didn't report was that the more and more items were Bibles. <laughs> in fact, the group of moms that have become known as the Wall of Moms that are out there, every they become national heroes now. And I understand, I mean, we have children, but... They're out there in the streets every night, supposedly protecting their rioting children from the police and the federal troops, particularly the federal troops, because they're Trump's troops. They finally came over and took bottles of water and tried to put the fire out Friday night. Donald Trump Jr. saw that. He tweeted, now we're moving into the book-burning phase. Well, he's right. Journalist for the human events, Ian Miles Chong, he was watching the mayhem. He was there, standing right among the people, in person. He tweeted, left-wing activists bring a stack of Bibles to burn in front of the federal courthouse in Portland. He said, many Bibles, lots of Bibles. Then he followed up with this tweet. <clears throat> he said, excuse me, he said, I don't know what burning the Bible has to do with protesting against police brutality. Interesting question. Then he seemed to answer his own question in a second tweet just a minute or so later. He said, do not be under the illusion that these protests and riots are anything but an attempt to dismantle all Western civilization and upend centuries of tradition and freedom of religion. Well, that's exactly what they're about. They've moved beyond the phase of Black Lives Matter. Even the Black Lives Matter people are saying, well, we got to get back to the message. That never was their message. Some of them thought it was, but it wasn't. The message is Marxism now applied to the culture to destroy Western civilization, which has been a beacon of light, particularly Christian truth. If we have helped people all over the world, humanitarian causes, and we've sent missionaries all over the world to, well, they call it proselytize now. Jesus called it being a witness to the gospel. But we sent missionaries all over the world to preach the gospel. Because every living human being needs the truth of the gospel to transform their life. That's what solves the race problem. That's what solves the rioting problems. That's what solves all the problems. But we've so marginalized the Bible now between, between the separation of church and state and the atheist, I have a right to not believe in God, so we have to get rid of him. And all of that stuff that's been going on for years. And Christians have sat by and said, oh, boy, I'm not going to get involved in politics. So here we are. The cities are burning. Young adults are running the streets, shooting each other in Chicago. And it isn't only Chicago. I mean, that's about the worst every weekend. But it's everywhere. It's, it's epidemic. You talk about a virus. Biblical principles were important to Martin Luther King, why aren't they important to Black Lives Matter? Some journalists said some of the Bible burning, they think, was an attempt to provoke the, the police to act. Well, they didn't. They weren't provoked. And some of the journalists may have a point. I mean, there may have been a part of that in burning the Bibles because the Bible is so non-consequential to the far left now. They wouldn't mind burning it. Maybe it would work, burning Bibles. Maybe it would cause the police to react so they could once more show how 
vicious they are or whatever. But it's curious, but it's not surprising that the rioters chose the Bible as the most provocative thing that they could come up with to burn. They burned the flag. They've been doing that for a while. But of all of the other things they could have kind of thrown on the fire with the flag, they chose They chose the Bible. That was the most, perhaps the most egregious thing they could come up with. They thought, that's what we'll do. That'll cause the police to get mad, and we can take pictures and charge them with brutality or whatever. The Bible stands alone. It's in a class by itself. They recognize that, but they don't know why. It's the only inspired, infallible, revealed Word of God. It's eternal. That's what the draw is on the Bible. People from Nietzsche right on through have tried to get rid of the Bible. They've made promises. They've said, in 10 years, the Bible will be gone. There will be no trace of it. (laughs) Now they're in the grave, and the Bible thrives. The Bible stands alone in absolute contrast to the beliefs of the secular progressives that have seized control of the cities, not the culture yet, but of the cities. We've trained the leaders of the most peaceful, mostly peaceful riots in the streets of our cities. Education has been given over to indoctrination, and that's what's driving these kids. That's all they know. Clearly, they hate America because we're an oppressive. They're burning the flag as an expression of that hatred for the country. They're choosing to burn Bibles because their response to God is similar. God himself. God is a stumbling block. He's a roadblock. Hillary Clinton herself talking about abortion when she was running for president. She said, we've got to get rid of these old codes. The old codes was scripture. Yet she claims to be a devout Christian, an old-fashioned, in her words, Methodist. She's none of that. She denies scripture, which is the truth of God, almighty God. It's infallible without error. Martin Luther King Jr., he didn't believe in that. He said, let me say as In his speech, The Other America, he said, let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. And he went on and said more, but he just reaffirmed it. The founders of this country, they recognized the power of the Bible. George Washington said it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Noah Webster said, Discipline our youth in early life in sound maximum moral, political, and religious duties. He said education is useless without the Bible. John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson said the book, sir, is the rock on which our republic rests. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given us. Benjamin Harris says, if you take out the statutes, your constitution, your family life, all that is taken from the sacred book, what would you have left to bind us together? That's the problem. We're not bound together in America. America was founded on at least a Christian consensus that the Bible was the truth. It was the standard for right and wrong. Now there is no right and wrong because we've removed the Bible. And so right becomes what I say it is. Truth becomes what I think truth is. And now here is the result. Running, throwing, breaking, burning, hurting, killing, in the streets of our cities. If you don't think the lack or the silence of the Christian message has consequences, just take a look out the window if you live in the city. That's where we are. 
President Ronald Reagan said within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems that men face. Indeed it is. They're there. We've got to get back to the Bible. 